Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen, at snc.tv and local now, channel 525. Uh, I love the new open. Hour 2, Stefan Tubbs Show, 505 in the city. 78 degrees here in Centennial, 80 degrees over there in hell, otherwise known as Denver in decay. My birth city. My, oh my. When I fly back into DIA and just think about what people are dealing with who choose to continue to live in Denver, it really does hurt my heart. Got a little bit of a firestorm going with that last call. Brian, in the last hour, had heard, apparently on this station, about long lines at the two-hour waits to check in at the Colorado State GOP meeting. It took me about five minutes, and I, I didn't, you know, I didn't, like, put on my RNC committee man badge or something and go to the front of a line, just walked in. But um, there were several other people who were there. Uh, I thought this voting system the voting process was the most transparent i had ever seen and nobody doubts the integrity of mark Baisley, who was in charge of the credentialing and everything so that was a shock to me but we've got callers who want to weigh in let's start with laurel on line two laurel and golden welcome hi randy it's laurel imer how are you oh hi laurel that laurel <laughs> that laurel how are you i'm hanging in yeah yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. I, I mean, I'm infuriated with the, um, you know, the the, as as your previous caller Brian said, you know, the old guard um, that wants to continue to sow division and um, just make these sweepingly broad false statements regarding what happened on Saturday and everything leading up to Saturday. Um, I, I mean, it's they God gave these people ears with which to hear, and they choose not to open their ears and listen. Well, you were there, um, uh, and I was there. Yeah, and it, it looks like we have your son on the other line now too. So maybe we'll bring <laughs> well, him on. He in a probably minute. wants to talk. He probably wants to talk specifically about the um, the lines and the uh, credentialing because he can speak directly to that. Yeah, um, he he set the thing up practically. I mean, it did a lot of the physical yeah. work. I know he was there early and all of that. So we'll bring him on in a minute. Let's get your overall yeah. Yeah. thought well, first. Overall, overall, I agree with you on the transparency of the voting. Um, I mean, we have been screaming from the rooftops for how many years now for transparency and paper ballots. We finally got it. Um, that was a victory. Um, the, the not, process- not only that, Laurel, just they never left the room. They never left the right. sight of every voter in that room. Absolutely. You could stand at the bottom of the stage and watch every single piece of process if you wanted to. If that was your prerogative to watch the entire thing from the from the floor, you could watch it all happen in real time. And, and that was that was a blessing. And I'm grateful for that. Me too. And and I think that I think that as a whole, the meeting was probably the smoothest run meeting I've seen in a long time. Um, it was a calm demeanor in the room. There wasn't a lot of um, other than the debate time during the Amendment 7, which, of course, we expected to be. But even that was was productful. I, th- I think it was um, it was a positive exchange most of the time going back and forth. And I just think these people want to continue to sow division. I think the funniest thing I see on on the Internet now is that Dave Williams and all of us are the new establishment. 
Yeah. Um, and 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 Dick Wadhams wrote about Dave Williams as Comrade Williams. Yes, Comrade. Wow. Williams. Right. Right. Is that to me? That's to me. That's desperation, Lori. It's, well, it is, and we have we have elected officials who are going after Dave Williams with mailers, who who when are exposed because of the mailers that they sent out. Um, take down their website because they are so they've got found out we know who they are and they don't have enough they they did it but now they don't have the guts to stand up to what they had to say and and these it's disgusting well i agree wholeheartedly it is to be expected uh, everybody understands it uh, who's you know part of the grassroots side of trying to turn the direction of this party around? Lies about fundraising, lies about money that was left for the incoming administration, all have yep. been exposed. All were put on display again with full transparency. One yep. one of the most troubling things that I heard at the Central Committee meeting last Saturday as part of the report of the treasurer is that the Republican Party's been carrying a phony, what was it, 90000 or something dollars? Yeah, almost 90, almost uh, between, I think between ninety and $95,000, yes. On, for, the books, for a on the books since Ryan Call, the, the person Correct. who got convicted and disbarred after stealing money from a Trump PAC that he was hired to work for. And finally, after several months, uh, and and absolute, you know, bat, read the back of the hand if you come for a password for for an account number, uh, for an explanation. Some of this is starting to come to light, and so you know, I, I've been out of the loop for a couple of months. I'm not deeply invested in the facts right now, but I was certainly troubled by the report on Sunday or Saturday, and it was very, very open and transparent and clear. Right. And and I can say with with honesty, I sit on the XCOM for the state Colorado GOP representing Congressional District 7. I've known about this as we've been tracking this for the last several months in executive committee meetings. And it is, people keep asking what's going on? Why aren't we doing anything? What's happening? And it's nice to finally be able to speak the truth. You know, we've been under a gag order to keep this quiet until this was released to the public. Um, but this is seriously troubling. And so, so what needs to happen now is that our grassroots supporters, we need to step up to the plate. We need to donate to the party. We need to help rebuild the coffers with transparency and honesty moving forward. I want to I encourage Brian, your previous caller, to please re-register as a Republican. He can't do any good. He can't do any help on the outside. He needs to join us to help to win the state back. And I encourage all of the Republicans who left the party and went to independent to come back, join the grassroots, join us in this movement to retake Colorado and to fix the problems of the past. Well, Laurel, I appreciate you waiting through the top of the hour to make that point. And uh, I'm guessing it's kind of fun to have both Imers on here. I'm guessing <laughs> your son wants to talk about the process since he was uh, you Probably. know, there for every minute of it. So um, I'll go to him now and really do appreciate your call. God bless. All right. Thanks, Randy. Bye-bye. Uh, Weston joins us from Inglewood. It says I don't know if that's true, but Weston, um, did you and did you and your mom set this up? This, no, uh, is it pure coincidence? Oh, you did. Okay, <laughs> I did, and then I decided right. when I was hearing the complaints, and I was like, you know, I'm just gonna call and I'm gonna answer for it all and just put it all to bed. So, well, I yeah. I uh, I appreciate your transparency. We're we're trying to become known for that, so that's good. Yeah. <laughs> 
Exactly. Well, I um, could tell from the – I now see your text messages. I could tell from your text that you were not pleased by what you heard from Brian. Now, I, I want I want a full disclaimer. I did not hear anything on a prior show or from a news reporter about these reports. But according to Brian, for folks that are just joining us, there were people who waited for two hours to get into the meeting. Uh, and the voting w- had it. There had to be a recount because the balloting was messed up. Uh, I didn't experience either of those things. I experienced the most transparent um, election that I've ever seen with all paper ballots. And except for while Mark Baisley, very trusted member of the Republican Party from all sides, grassroots and the establishment hackaroos, um, was dealing with the credentials. Uh, that was the longest delay of the meeting. The rest of it was debate and voting, and uh, there was food there for folks. I mean, it was uh, it was really a good meeting. Well, thank you. I'm glad someone felt that way. We put a lot of work into it. Yeah. Um, so, I, and, so know, talk about the 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 apparent um, representation or misrepresentation of how things went on Saturday. Yeah, so first things first, to answer to the long line at check-in, the reason that there was such a long line is over 49% of the members of the Central Committee came by proxy. That line that took two hours was proxies. Those were people that were carrying other people's votes. Some people had 9 to 15 proxies each. That is what the delay was from these counties um, that were sending one person from their county with all the votes for their entire central committee membership from that county. That was the delay in credentialing. Everything else went super super quick, easy peasy, lemon squeezy, just like how you did, where you walked in, you checked in, you scanned your badge, and you were done in five minutes, not even. So that was what the delay in credentialing was. As to the allegation that there was you know, a phony vote count, the reality behind that is, is there is a certain level of votes that have to be achieved in order to win a officer race based on the people in the room. And I believe it was 221 votes was required to win. And after the first round of balloting, nobody won. So we had to go into a second round either. We actually had four rounds of voting planned that day, just in case it was long and drawn out. It took, I believe, uh, four rounds for the state chairman race back in March. And the other piece that goes into that, you know, you mentioned the 15 votes that were not accounted for, right, because of the from the credential report. As you said, that was a technical error with the new credentialing system that we were using. And what we did is Mark Baisley printed off the list of everybody that was uh, from the state central committee. We went through and we we found those 15 voters that were not successfully credentialed in by reading their badge when they approached, as you said. We checked them off the list. We verified that they were credentialed into the meeting, and it all went off without a hitch. And so within two ballots, we had already elected our vice chairman, and we did all of that before the bylaws changes took place, and we found that there was no need to recount any of the previous votes. And everything was kosher. You know, it was a, it was a very smooth meeting. Uh, the events committee that Dave Williams has chaired by uh, Eric um, from Mineral County, he's the chair of Mineral County Republicans, um, Eric and his and the rest of the people on the events committee did a fantastic job of planning it, and then we executed those plans, and it went off without a hitch. Well, I really appreciate you calling in to clarify. You, of course, were there from the start, and uh, and so you observed it all. I had to cut out of there before the end of the meeting because I had my own radio show to do on Saturday night, but uh, 
I left a proxy and, and, uh, we, ever, the business was concluded in an open and transparent way. And I, I really do want to go back and, and listen to what was actually said. And I may address this more on Saturday, uh, if it's that far off base, because it, apparently it was from somebody who was actually there, but uh, appreciate you calling in and, um, yeah. hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you, sir. And just really quick, as project manager for the Colorado GOP, if anyone has any questions, do not hesitate to reach out to me. Um, you can email me at wimer at colorogop.org. I'm happy to answer your questions and address concerns. All right. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And I want to remind you, the Arapaho Tea Party is tonight. I uh, was making my grand return tonight after missing the last two months' worth of meetings. And then I got asked to do the show tonight, so I will be there, but I will be late. But I understand some free tickets are still available. Uh, it's amazing. The left is on to our Tea Party meeting, which is usually packed and energetic and uh, a lot of fun and, you know, candidates, uh, learning, encouragement on how to get involved in an effective way, those kinds of things that get talked about. And so... Every time we throw up these tickets now, we have, uh, I don't know that they're left, right, or indifferent, but we have people who don't want you to attend the Tea Party meeting because they're going in with phony emails, phony emails to, that sound conservative, and then you check it, and it's some instructor at a, tech, at a school at you know Hillsdale or Liberty College or something like that, and they're grabbing nine or ten of these free tickets at a time. And so we literally have to spend a long time in the days leading up to the meeting continuing to clear out the phony ticketing, and we do. So it usually means we've got some tickets left at the end. You can email Party at gmail.com if you'd like to join us tonight at 630, or you can go to Eventbrite and just sign up real quick, no charge again. And I will tell you, I've had some suggestions brought to my attention for different ticketing venue mechanisms that we can use that will at least inhibit the ability of the lefties who do not want you to assemble and talk about ideas, talk about the evil of the left and all of those things will slow them down in their effort to um, curtail our attendance and our participation. Just unbelievable. These people are disgusting and relentless and sadly, in many cases, very effective. Very, very interesting. You know, we have a, a real conservative icon in Colorado, and his he's certainly well-known in my circles and maybe well-known to you as well. But very few people know the history of Ted Harvey, the chairman of the committee to defeat the president. He, uh, he was Colorado State Senator. That's how most people know him. But at 22, at the age of 22... Ted was appointed to serve in the White House of President Ronald Reagan, and that uh, really fired him up as a traditional conservative. And then he came home, worked at the Independence Institute as a program director, um, district office manager for Representative Joel Heffley, a Republican, elected to the House, elected to the Senate, chairman of the Stop Hillary PAC, renamed the Committee to Defend President Trump, and now it's the Committee to Defeat the president, if you want to call him that. Putative president is how I usually refer to creepy, sleepy showers with daughter Joe. But setting all that aside for the moment, my good friend, former state senator, 
and chairman of the committee to defeat the president, Ted Harvey, will join us on the other side to talk about all of these issues, rhinoism and perhaps Trump indictments and a whole host of other things. And that's what we're going to do next. So you sit right there. You're listening to The Stephan Tubbs Show here on 710 KNUS. Back on The Stephan Tubbs Show, Randy Corcoran here from Saturday nights. It is 5, where my clock go? 526, almost. Man, we're almost halfway through the show. Really appreciate your time tonight. And uh, I will tell you, Lori Kelman did text me back and said that the story on the brewery that has going to Canada is still coming up. So I could not find it on online or anything else. So we'll still have that breaking news. And she says sometime between 5.30 and 6.30. And I, for one, am very, very curious. But right now, it's time to talk some serious politics. And um, just nobody better in the state of Colorado than my good friend Ted Harvey. He joins us now. Ted, good evening. Good evening, sir. Thank you for having me on. You better believe it. I don't know if you've heard the latest news on Bidenomics. For the first time in history, credit card debt for Americans has hit $1 trillion, to be exact, $1 trillion and $3 billion. That's according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. That big number made public as consumers brace for yet another potential rate hike as policymakers try to keep inflation in check. I don't even know why they bother to mention the $300 billion. One trillion's plenty. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, I had a an article in the Washington Times last week on this whole issue, Bidenomics, and it's interesting that this would be the issue that um, the administration would try to be pumping and pushing right now um, and trying to gaslight the American people that their policies are successful when you see stories like that and you see the Federal Reserve raising interest rates again to try to fight inflation. Um, they are trying to gaslight the American people when everybody knows they go to the store and their consumer prices are through the roof. Everything. Uh, there, you, you can't turn around. Your mortgage rates are too high. People can't afford to sell a home and move up if they, for instance, you know, just need a bigger place or need to relocate because they'll lose a good mortgage rate and have to pay more money for less house. It's just every facet, everywhere you look, energy, food prices, automobiles, you you name it. It is terrifying. And they're trying. I mean, who do they think is buying any of this? Well, what else are they going to run on? They can't run on foreign policy. Um, They're. Foreign policy has been a disaster since day one. Their leaving of Afghanistan was one of the greatest military disasters in our country's history. They can't run on how they've handled the currency uh, devaluation when you have about six of the largest countries in the world leaving the dollar and not using the dollar as their reserve currency. You see Saudi Arabia going away from the petrodollar and selling oil to China um, and, and to Russia and their currencies, um, not to mention what's going on in Ukraine and the disaster of, the, of this administration's policies. Every time we turn around, it's, it's one more um, you know, laughable thing that this administration's doing, and they have nothing to run on, so they're trying to gaslight the American people. Well, Kamala Harris, uh, I've got some audio I'll probably play later if we have time, but she was shouting at folks about how inflation is down and she's laughing and smiling. 
and explaining Bidenomics and contrasting that to trickle-down economics, which she really screws up the definition of. It, it's just... Uh, it, it's like watching a bad movie. I mean, 1984 did not predict it to be this bad. Well, like, they know that Trump is going to constantly be telling, asking the question, were you better when I was in the White House prior to the pandemic, or are you better now? And everybody knows what that answer is. Everybody, literally everybody across the board was better under the four years of the Trump administration than they have been under the Biden administration. And they, I think they're trying to front run that argument, but it falls flat because everybody realizes how expensive it is for them to put food on the table and, and fill up their gas tank and, and do all the other things that families have to take care of. I know you're not an attorney, but you are a serious man and a reader and very, very experienced. What's your assessment of the uh, Trump, Trump indictments and the success that they're going to have in trying to take out the front runner? Oh, well, I, I, I'm not sure we're even going to see many of them prior to the election. I think that the the, the most recent one, which is trying to criminalize free speech is a joke, um, especially when you have Hillary Clinton going for four years saying that the elections were stolen, when you have the the joke in Georgia going for four years saying the governor race was stolen. Uh, every time you turn around, the Democrats have been saying that every election they lost has been stolen and they shouldn't certify it. And they've been saying they should have new electors being put forward um, for the electoral college vote vote. And, um, you know, Donald Trump says it and and he's a criminal. Um, and I think it might actually benefit Trump moving forward because he's going to be able to have discovery and bring before the American people evidence that has been withheld and, and canceled from the American people for the last two and a half years. And I think you're going to see more people um, actually believe there were serious problems with the 2020 election than we have today, simply because this out of control um, a, a prosecuting attorney is bringing forward a, a frivolous lawsuit or criminal charges. The idea that Donald Trump is going to have free reign to uh, to obtain evidence to defend his position that the election was stolen is phenomenal. My concern is with a with a judge who seems to have a real built in bias, you know, formerly worked at the law firm Hunter Biden was employed at and, and just all kinds of different things. Uh, she could say that, you know, the what the what's at issue here in this indictment is your state of mind. You told these people that it looked like you were going to have to turn things over to the next guy. So you knew that the elect. I mean, they're just reading his mind. Anybody who knows Donald Trump watched him since 2020 to say he doesn't believe that the election was stolen is insane. But that's what they're trying to do. Well, they have no other alternative. No. Um, it, but you look at what they're saying is if you have if you're sick and you go to a doctor and you get the doctor's opinion that if you go and get a second opinion, that that's criminal behavior. Uh, that's essentially what Trump did, is, is that he, as most great um, administrators, leaders do, is they get multiple opinions from multiple people, and then they choose the path that they want to go on. And to say that simply because a 
Attorney General Barr or Vice President Pence gave him a certain advice that they, he has to accept that and not go get a second opinion is foolishness. And, you know, everybody knows that. But the Democrats are so, so, so desperate to bring down Trump that they're going to do everything they possibly can. And I mean, it's obvious that they're using the justice system to 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 weaponize and, and go against anybody that comes against the the radical left narrative, especially if it's Donald Trump or anybody that supports him. The Republican National Committee has a Twitter feed, a Twitter page called RNC Research, has about a half a million followers and, uh, you know, continues to grow kind of slowly, typical for RNC related stuff. But as a member of the RNC, I do check it out periodically. And their pinned post for the last entire week is 24 straight minutes, just one tweet 24 straight minutes of Democrats denying election results, starting with Hillary Clinton. Yep. Yep. And, you know, <laughs> where where are the prosecutions of all of these people? Um, it, the, it, it's it's almost laughable that this prosecutor would bring this forward. But I think that they're desperate to have a conviction before the election. And they know that they have something that they can bring in front of a D.C. court with a D.C. liberal judge. And 90 percent of D.C. voters support, supported Joe Biden. So they think they can get uh, a conviction going into the election. So he will be, um, you know, they'll be able to run against that. And I don't think it matters. You're not you're seeing Trump's poll numbers go up, not go down every time they bring forward something like this. And I think that. Um, the American people see right through what they're doing, and they're going to rally to his cause. I've been back on the air on my Saturday show for a couple of Saturdays now, and I've asked this question and haven't gotten a ton of traction. A couple of questions. Um, one is, and this because it's just around the corner, I will be at the RNC debates because I'm an RNC member, and our our summer meeting is going on at the same time, so we all get tickets, and that's that'll be fun. But... I don't think Trump will be there. And the question is, should he debate? If so, why? And if not, why not? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I, I think he should debate. I think that he takes all the air out of the room when he does um, get in these situations where, where he's debating his foe. I mean, you look at what he did to 16 very, very strong Republican candidates in, in 2016. You look at what he did to Hillary Clinton. Um, he destroyed them. And I think he would this time around as well. Everybody else will look small in comparison to the president of the United States. Um, but having said that, he is um, going to be attacked by everybody in that room. And um, does he really need to put himself in that situation when he's winning by 30 or 40 percent in, in the new state polls? Um, across the country. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if that makes good political sense to do that. But if I'm if I'm a betting man, I bet that he will be there because he can't resist the opportunity. One of the best suggestions. Yeah. And of course, he's going to draw this out to the last minute and uh, to keep the suspense, keep the interest, keep people who care about a Republican debate paying close attention to it. One of the most unique suggestions that I heard that I really liked is, yeah, he should attend the debate. He should just sit in the audience and watch. 
he'd get all the press. He could just smile and nod, and you know, it it would be it would just be fascinating. But I, what if you were a betting man? Does he but show up? If he up? didn't go, if he didn't go, yeah, nobody would watch it. I, I mean, there there would be no reason for anybody to watch that debate. I agree. Uh, the only reason I'm going is because I'm going to be there anyway, and the ticket is free. It's got a special seat, and uh, and I've got a friend inside the Vivek Ramaswamy campaign, and uh, obviously I'm very impressed by Vivek and uh, his ability to convey conservative principles and his energy and all of those things. So I think it'd be kind of fun. I think I'll get a chance to meet him, and uh, that seems worthwhile as well. Oh, without a doubt. Without, I mean, th- it's... Regardless of who is there, it's history, um, yeah. and it's always going to be some uh, a cool opportunity to be there. So I'm jealous that you get the opportunity. Ron, well, I you know I haven't decided if I'm going to run for RNC committee man again. So there may be an open seat here, man. You can just jump no, in. Yes, you will. Yes, you will. <laughs> if I have anything to say about it, you will. Oh, thanks. Um, yeah, I I guess I got to start making that decision here in the next couple of months, but. Uh, I guess it'll depend a lot on who throws their hat in. If there's a if there's somebody really good, I could certainly see getting out of the way. But if it's more establishmentarianism, um, I will likely be game on. What is going on with Ron DeSantis, man? The the big donors are pulling out. The, and he just fired his campaign manager. I don't think it's any of those problems. I think it's the candidate. He is laying a dud everywhere he goes. Well, I've been saying this for the last year that. This is, he's the best governor in, in the United States. He should not get into this race. It's Donald Trump's race to lose, not uh, Ron's race to win. And if he gets in, he's going to alienate all of the Trump base and he's going to commit political suicide because I think everybody would have rallied to his side in 2028 if he would have just stepped aside and supported Trump. And I think you're seeing that play out. It's not that he's cratering. It's just that he never took off. And so many of the anti-Trump people and the people who said, let's just move on, um, didn't appreciate how passionate and how deep the Trump support is. They, they were not going to leave him to go to uh, a rock star governor who wanted to be a Trump, you know, light they wanted trump himself and i think the 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 reality is setting in to to desantis and all of the donors that these voters were there before trump and and they are passionate patriotic american conservatives that want to take our country back and trump is the face to do that and he got screwed out of his first administration because of the um russia scandal that was all made up in the FBI and the intelligence community doing everything they could to destroy his administration for four years. And they thought his base thought he got screwed over and they're going to do everything they can to get him back in there. And it doesn't matter how good DeSantis is. They're not leaving Trump. But Ted, but Ted, I hear from the rhinos of the party that Trump sent out a mean tweet about Megan Rapinoe and the World Soccer Cup and all of that nonsense. And he's just too mean to be president. Um, and <laughs> I cannot deny that I disagree with some of his tweets, but that is irrelevant in politics. All that matters is what the voters care about and what the voters care about 
is Donald Trump getting reelected? Do you do you you can try and, and whine and complain <laughs> about all you want, I but know. in the end, all that matters is what the voters. See, I love that tweet though. The, this is the supposed U.S. representative team that that sits, you know, won't refuses to stand for the national anthem and all that. I I think it's absolutely a hundred percent appropriate to call them out and uh, and remind people what happens team. in wokeism. Yep, they're not my team. You can. Go lose all you want. I could care less. Absolutely. Well, we are really up against it. But one last question. I've I've never shared as much of your biography as I did at the top of the hour talking about when you were going to join us or whenever I did that. But what was it like to be a 22-year-old young man serving in the White House of President Ronald Reagan? Um, Surreal. I was really not that involved in politics prior to that. And I, by the truly divine intervention, I was put into that position and really changed my life. I was working on President Reagan's memoirs and uh, bathing myself in Ronald Reagan speeches and Ronald, Ronald Reagan ideology. And I came out of that mm-hmm. situation and came back to Colorado and was a, a, a radical Reagan revolutionary and um, have never turned back and been passionately pushing the conservative agenda ever since. God bless you for that, my brother. And I, I really do appreciate it because you are if you are nothing if not 100% consistent. And uh, that means a lot in this game because, you know, most people, especially those who have attained elected office, become the master of speaking to the audience and telling them what they think they want to hear. Well, I would never do that. I would never do that. You know that I'm conservative to the core, whether it's on life, whether it's on guns or whether it's on taxes. I am going to be a passionate conservative standing up for freedom and liberty every chance I can. All right. Well, let's get together. Um, we always have a good time when we but do. Also, but also, I'm the chairman of the committee to defeat the president at StopJoe.com. So anybody who's listening that wants to help us out, go to that website, StopJoe.com. Yeah, I'm sorry I didn't even mention that. It, and it's it's... It's so great, the things that you do around the country. So um, you, if you want to give 20 seconds, we're way late, but uh, just talk about what you guys are doing right now. You know, we are, we are filing lawsuits against the, the radical leftists in Congress like Cory Bush and others that are lying to the American people. We're fighting Joe Biden and his administration every single day. You can read my, my articles in Washington Times and in Town Hall and other places, and you can get them on our website at at stopjoe.com and if you want to help us in this fight hit that donation page and help us we'd appreciate it thanks for your time tonight ted hope to see you soon god bless thanks buddy god bless you take care better believe it 544 straight to the news 710 knus that's nice what is that Coldplay? yeah so blake i don't think i ever got a definitive answer from you there's this big good-looking box package addressed to the Stefan Tub show and I think if I'm sitting in the chair during the Stefan Tub show I really should be opening that. I'm not sure about that. I think I heard some ticking. <laughs> well, I hope it's timed for uh, a different part of the clock then than <laughs> uh, than tonight. I um uh, I just want to remind everybody that the Dennis Prager cigar night is coming up very very soon and uh it, third time Dennis has been here. I've been to the last two. They were really a blast. And uh, you've got hors d'oeuvres, and I think the first drink is part of the purchase price and all of that. Great conversation with like-minded people. Dennis is always very impressive in person and on stage. And back at our old friends, the View House in Centennial, 
Ticket will include hors d'oeuvres, a carving station, first beverage, premium cigars, if you're <laughs> into that sort of thing. And uh, and so many of us are. Seating is limited. Get your tickets and complete details at 710knus.com. That thing is coming up on, what was it, August 30th, I think. So not too far away. Text messages have been, we'll get to the phones here in a sec, but text messages, I've been ignoring them since the start of the show. I didn't realize that uh, the screen was down. I thought we weren't getting any, and instead there's a zillion of them here. But I, I really like this one. This is um, a snapshot of a tweet from somebody named Green Dragon at Occupies a Job. This is kind of a follow-up to my conversation with Ted Harvey and before about the mean truth social post by Donald Trump uh, toward Megan Rapinoe and the World Cup, the ladies' World Cup soccer team. And uh, this is someone who's speaking their mind. Megan, you will be remembered for choking on the penalty kick, for making Americans for the first time not support an American team, and for working against women and Title IX. You despise America, yet willingly accept a paycheck to play for her. There's a name for that. Now, that's what I call a serious tweet. And then somebody responded. We had um, Trevor Loudon on earlier about the... Uh, some of the communist connections here in Colorado. And this texter writes in Ali Marcano, Juan Marcano's wife, uh, who's running for Aurora mayor, got let go from her position at Crow's, Jason Crow's office, state representative, or U.S. representative from CD6, Jason Crow's office. I think Crow is trying to steer away from the Marxists or Marcano's wife would still be on his staff. Well, I don't know the reason, but uh, but the inference certainly makes some sense. Someone is guessing which Colorado brewer is selling out to Canada. I now have the answer on my uh, cute little iPhone here from news lady Lori Kelman, but uh, we're just going to have to wait until she springs it on one of her next newscasts. And let's see who else we got. Harvey's the best, a true beacon of truth. Absolutely. And Alexa's reminding, putting in a plug for our friend Jimmy Sangenberger. Jimmy Junior Blues Band at the Wide Open Saloon in Sedalia from 6 to 9 p.m. tomorrow night. That's August 9th. Wide Open is the best place. Um, Todd, the owner, uh, is just brilliant on how he managed to navigate COVID. We had a lot of conversations during that period, and I had a lot of meals at the Wide Open Saloon. So it's a great place if you're a biker to go hang out, and Jimmy will be performing there with the Jimmy Jr. Blues Band tomorrow night, 6 to 9. That is really cool. All right, we promised phone calls. Let's go to Eric in Denver. Eric, welcome. Randy. Eric, the great American, burrito maker. Oh, my God. Extraordinary. It's an honor and a pleasure to speak to you. But I'm I'm hot as fish grease. Again? Yeah, you'll know why in oh, a second. Okay. I was telling the, the great uh, Blake Gallagher. Okay, Randy, this is me, and I think if I was Trump's advisor, this is what I would advise him to say, because you know Trump is not afraid to say what's on his mind. And you and I both in the whole 80 million of us, maybe 100 million, love him to death. And I ran to the phone. I was washing my hands. I'm cutting jalapenos so I could bring you burritos on Friday. <laughs> my green chili. Oh, anyway, I digress. Tanya, uh, the, the D.C. 
this is serious. The D.C. Uh, court judge, Tanya Chotkin, she is a racist. She is prejudiced. She hates white people. The reason why I say that, because she convicted only white people on J6. Not a black man that I know of was convicted. I need to put that narrative out there because, and she is racist against President Donald Trump. He's a white man. So and that, it's obviously because she hates white people. So where do you get that information from? Did you look at her docket? I mean, how do you know that to be true? Being a black man in common sense, that's revenge on her uh, um, uh, her actions? No, no, I, I don't mean the conclusion you're drawing. How do you back up the fact that she's only convicted white men for January 6th? Are you aware of black defendants that appeared in front of her that she did not sentence harshly or, you know, help contribute to a con uh, conviction or something like that? Just from... Uh, my experience and how she is pursuing all white people. But I'm asking you, how do you know that? I mean, that's that's a broad, big statement to make. How how could you, where could you have gotten that information? Because she's uh, a black woman and she's convicting white people. That's what black people do to white people when they're prejudiced. Just like the, you know, I don't know, Randy. I'm just throwing a narrative out there. That's right. what the the KKK did to the black people. And then now I think that's what she's it's payback and she's doing it to the white people. Well, I just I'm throwing anything out there. That's just that's why I said this is this is my narrative. I got it. Against well, one, her. One thing we know for sure about her is she violated uh, you know, typical civil pro or criminal procedure rules in the DC court in rushing a response from the Trump lawyers to Jack Smith's whiny motion for a protective order because Donald Trump dared to go on stage or, or put out a truth social post that said something like, if you're coming after me, I'm coming after you. He's running a political campaign. He's being attacked from all corners. And you can certainly draw a conclusion that and he never hesitates to say he's going back after the the DOJ. If he takes office, there'll be a complete house cleaning. But uh, she shortened the deadline, now is forcing a hearing here on Friday. We'll be very interesting to see what she does with that. I'll look forward to talking about that on the Saturday show. Eric, I you love you. I love Randy. Okay. I, I love you too, my brother. I love those burritos. Drawing a conclusion. I, I'm drawing a conclusion that uh, Tanya Chonskin is racist my against brother, white people. We are at the end. Final hour is next. Stefan Tubbs, stay with us.